Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of True to the Cougs. My name is Jamie Vinnick. With me is Marcus Trufant. We are here with True to the Cougs, powered by Believe Network. Marcus, how's it going? Going pretty good, my man. Pretty good. How about yourself? I am doing well, doing well. Just want to, uh, before we start, apologize if I sound super congested. It's because I am super congested. (laughs) Picked up a little cold down in Los Angeles last weekend, but besides that, feeling all right. Tell me about the trip, man. Um, You just can't throw in there. I was down in Los Angeles. Tell me about the trip. Did you fly? Was it a road trip? Give me some of the details, bro. So I flew down there on Thursday. Okay. Um, Stayed at a, at a hotel pretty about four miles from the stadium. Um, I used to like going to Los Angeles when I was younger uh, okay. because I didn't have to deal with the traffic or the travel. I was 12 years old, 13 years old. My parents did all that. After doing it as an adult, not a fan. It is a, I mean, it, it is a headache. I, I will put it like that. Uh, I landed, you know, 3.30, my flight landed. Got to my hotel right about 7.00 because of all the traffic hey. getting to the rental car place and getting the rental car and getting, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Uh, I actually went to uh, went to a concert, a Slipknot concert for those unaware and don't follow me on Twitter, big time metalhead. So I went to go okay. see Slipknot, Ice Nine Kills and Crown the Empire, a couple of my favorite bands and myself and uh, Waz's other primary beat writer, Colton Clark, who writes for the spokesman. We drove up to Irvine for the concert, 40 miles. And it took us an hour and 45 minutes. Okay. 40 miles from Pullman. I mean, I, I do that in 30 minutes. Right. There's no cops listening. <laughs> but right. uh, I just, you know, I, I think being in Pullman for so long has made me appreciate, you know, the the five-minute commutes. You know, we uh, practice usually ends at 8.30 for us to do post-practice interviews. I'm out of bed at about 8.10, 8.15, and I'm there in five minutes. Uh, you know, the, the weather was nice. You know, I, I, I still love California. Uh, gotcha. But, you know, it just, uh, I don't know. I grew up 20 minutes from Seattle, but. I've kind of become a small town guy. So, I mean, the, the Coliseum was amazing. Um, That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about the Coliseum. It's been a long time since I've been there. So, yeah. I mean, it, it is without question the coolest place I've covered a game. Um, it's just, I mean, you, I walked in and it's like, wow. I mean, you don't realize how big it is until you get in there. Um, and I can only imagine what it's like when you're on the field rather than sitting in the press box. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's an interesting environment. They don't sell out, which to me is wild. And I, it'll be interesting to see how that works in the Big Ten when you can't sell at 77,000. Well, oh. Michigan's doing that with 110 every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got this DJ. And he's like hyping up the crowd throughout the game. And I'm not going to lie, it's a little cringy. It's, you know, he's trying to be all cool and like hip. And it's like, nah, this is a little... This is a little cringy. The thing that I always, you know, joke about with SC is SC still tries to act like they are this bunch of big, bad inner city, like heart of LA type guys. And that's just not really what they are anymore. I mean, it's not like in the, you know, they, they try. I So I overheard someone say they act like they're, you know, 1991 Miami. Okay. Um, uh, but, you know, I mean, they're a, they're a great football team. I, I just thought that was interesting. Um <laughs> It's like, you know, it's like a bunch of college kids is what you're trying to say. Yeah, exactly. There ain't no real bangers out there. It it felt like, you know, we might add like a, you know, festival or a football game. Yeah, I just uh, wasn't a whole wasn't a big fan of the DJ. Now, I'm the first person to just absolutely put Wazoo's game day experience on blast. So I, you know, I I can't be too critical of someone else's. But yeah, I heard I heard about the DJ and I walk in and 
this guy's uh, I'm just like, what what is going on? Are we playing a football game or not? Was he playing? Like uh, he was playing a little bit. I mean rap. Up? All right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it really didn't fit, I guess, the energy of the team or I yeah, I get might have. I mean, I, I don't know the players. I mean, that maybe is their energy. Um I, I will say personally, it, I did not know the music he was playing. It was a lot, I think, and a lot of newer rap. I I'm okay. much more on the old school rap. I mean I'm the same uh, way. You know, I'm I'm 12, 13 years old in like 2008. So that's like the early Drake, Lil Wayne. I mean, Eminem, of course. And then I'll you. even go back a little bit to like uh, Nas and Tupac. But I okay, mean, Jamie, I see. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I can go back a little. Hey, Illmatic, Nas, favorite yeah. rap album of all time. But this was, I think, a lot of the, the newer rap. I mean, I would have been okay if he was playing like, like some Snoop or some, some Dr. Dre, some California Love. But this was all like modern stuff. I'm like, ah, oh, man, this isn't my vibe. Yeah, not so much. But not uh, the mumble rap. Yeah, but no, the Coliseum was great. Uh, it's a, it is a really cool stadium and a cool environment. Um, obviously, the game didn't go all that well, but uh, no, I'm glad I got to do it because Washington State's not going to be back there. By the time they would circle around to SC again, they'll be in the Big Ten, and I don't think right, yeah. uh, the teams are going to be playing a non-conference game. So I'm glad I did it, but yeah, I had a uh, there was so there was so I had some interesting opinions on the uh, on the whole game day experience with the DJ. I was pretty entertained by it, but. I mean, credit to that guy. He's talking for like six hours on a microphone. I, his voice must be getting pretty tired because he's doing that like hours before the game. And then all he earning his paycheck, huh? Earning I his guess. Paycheck. I really? guess. Uh, and I'll give him credit. You know, I think he was doing some mixing of some songs and those were pretty good. So I, I'll give him credit. I'm a, I don't want to just be a total hater. Uh, I just I, I'm more of a traditionalist. That, you know, you go and you play the game of football. It doesn't need to be a whole, you know, concert. Right. I feel you. I feel you. But let's talk about the game a little bit. Um, Washington State falling 30-14 to 14 against number six, USC. Uh, the last time they'll play in the Coliseum, most likely, might be the last time they play USC. I don't think they play them next year. Um, if they do, it would be in Pullman. It, it was one of those games. I don't think the score represents the closeness of the game. But I also think Washington State did not play a very good game. I would agree with that, man. I, From my per, um, perspective or from my view, it didn't feel like Washington State really – got comfortable, right, that they would kind of be on this two steps forward, kind of two steps back type of thing, um, that the offense was out there. And they had some good plays, man, and they did some good stuff. But then, okay, and then you get like a loss of five or you try this running play. And, the, um, you know, the offensive line is kind of like a jailbreak at certain times. So just things, it was like a little too much back and forth. And like I said, never really got comfortable, never found their footing. And SC um, kind of just did what they do. I think for Washington State and any team like them to, to beat USC, I don't want to say they have to play perfect, but they have to play near perfect. And to the Cougars' credit, they didn't turn the ball over. That was a big factor. That was a big must. Huge, but right. You, at, the, at the end of the day, if, if he comes down to a battle of talent, USC is going to win the talent battle against 120-some teams in the country. And the only ones they aren't going to win the talent battle are in Columbus, Ohio, or the SEC. I mean, that just is what it is. And, and I think USC's talent kind of rose to the top. Um, you know, USC's offense, I don't think that played that good of a game. I mean, Caleb Williams was under uh, was under 60% passing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he, he didn't turn it over, but he, I think he was 15 to 29. Travis Dye did have a good game on the ground. Jordan Addison didn't do a whole lot. Uh, and they only scored 30 points. So I think the Coug defense played a good game. Um, but USC's offense or defense, excuse me, they were really strong and it just wasn't a very crisp game from the Washington State offense. Missed right. blocks, 
drops. It, it just – you have to be better. You have to be better than what they did to beat USC. All around the board, man, and just like you said, uh, playing against a team like SC that doesn't necessarily have to pr- – play their best brand of football in every game because they got so many weapons. They got so many guys out there that can go, right? And um, and that's offense and defense. So the game for the Cougs, um, the Cougar defense, I think it was that running game. And you talk about Die and what did he have? He had uh, 28 for 149, an average of 5.3. I thought that was the tail of the game, especially in the second half. They kind of just wore the defense down, man, and kind of beat them up. I mean, there's guys walking around with hands on their hips. Guys are tired. So a tough game like that, of course, you're going down. Um, it's a play in enemy territory. You're, it can be drained physically. You can be drained, um, of course, on the mental side as well. So it was just a tough game for the Cougs, but definitely tough for the defense. I can't remember who said this a couple of years ago. Um, I, I can't remember if it was a player or just a friend or a fan or media member, but said, Washington State versus USC, if Wazoo is at 100%, USC is at 70%. That is how Wazoo wins that game. If it's both teams at 100%, USC wins. If the teams play the similar, like if USC plays a game this well and Wazoo plays it the same amount of wellness, I guess, I'm kind of just spitballing here, but then USC is going to win. Wazoo has to outplay USC to make up for the talent differential because that's at the end of the day, you know, you can scheme all you want. You can make all the plays. But USC, and there are cases where this is false, but nine times out of 10, USC is going to have the superior talent. Um, And I think for Washington State to win, it has to be superior coaching and superior performance. And I thought Wazoo coaching, uh, you know, their their game plans were very good. I think the coaches did their job. I just don't think the execution was there. I think if you look at the way Wazoo played, that's just not going to be enough to beat USC. And it wasn't a terrible game. Wazoo probably beats a lot of teams with that level of play. I mean, they've, I, I, but USC is just not one of those teams. I mean, that's just when you're number six in the country and you've got Lincoln Riley and just talent after talent after talent, you have to play near perfect to beat those teams. It's the same way you have to beat an Alabama or a Georgia. Mm-hmm. The talent, you're not going to be more talented than, than them. So you're going to have to outcoach them, outwork them, outplay them. And I think if you look at the last time Wazoo beat USC, Mike Leach outcoached Clay Helton. Wazoo outplayed USC. Wazoo was not the more talented team in that game. If you look at, you know, guys who went to the league or guys who did this or that. Right. They had the game plan. They had the execution. Right. I would say as well that you got to have some freaky kind of fluke things happen. Um, That could be special teams or that could be a sack fumble or you could get an interception to the house or um, pick six, of course, from your linebackers and stuff like that, like we saw a couple games ago. But stuff like that has to happen and just to give you a, a boost. Because just like you said, Jamie, it's, ta- it's hard to line up and be like, okay, I'm going to go guy for guy against a team like SC. It's tough, very tough to do. I mean, I think even if you look back to, uh, to your days, I mean, the 2002 game against USC at, at home, the, you know, kind of one of the most iconic wins. I mean, that Wazoo team was awesome. I right. mean, that was a, a tremendous Cougar team that won the Pac-12 and went 10-3. and three. But you go look at that USC roster and the amount of guys that were in the NFL on that team. I mean, you start with Palmer and then Leinert, and you look at Mike Williams and Dominique Bird and Kerry Colbert and Justin Fargus. And that's just on offense. But, you know, it came down to game plan, execution, coaching, and obviously one hell of a Washington State team that year. Right. Um. I don't think we can talk about this game without discussing the officiating. 
Um, and we'll preface with this. Washington right. State did not lose this game because of the refs. This is not, oh, refs, refs decided the game. That said, the officiating was a factor in this game, and, and I think it's hard to say otherwise. You know, when Washington State, who entered the game with 23 penalties in five games, they had never taken more than five in a game. Suddenly they get called for seven in the first half and 11 total. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to say, you don't want to say rigged or you don't want to say it, the fix is in, but, and I'm not, and I, and again, I'm not saying that, but it does make you raise your eyebrows. How does a team that has not committed penalty this year? And some of those were undisciplined offsides, false starts, but how does a team that has not committed penalties all of a sudden you match up against the team who everyone knows is the baby of the conference, even with them leaving. They're the best chance at the playoff this year. And suddenly, oh, there's 11 whistles. And Armani Marsh gets called for a pass interference in which she's basically getting manhandled by the USC tight end. And a Wazoo offensive lineman gets ejected for targeting when he blocks a guy with his hands. And, right. and by the way, for those unaware, Grant Stevens, that lineman, uh, his, the suspension was upheld. He can't play in the first half. Oh, next really? Week. Man. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, you, you look at the fact that Brennan Jackson's getting held every time he's coming off the line. Uh, every time it seemed like Wazoo had a big play, well, here comes a flag. Shaw Smith-Wade has what seems to be a huge pick now off defensive holding. Right. Jackson on one play is getting absolutely, you know, is it a sleeper hold on off the right side? But somehow we see Shaw Smith-Wade with a face mask on the other side of the field. It just it makes you wonder what exactly are we looking at here, guys? So again, Washington State lost this game because USC played better and is the better team. The officials did impact this game. I would agree, Jamie, but I would disagree at the same time, right? I know that we don't place blame on the refs, and I know we're not saying that we lost because of the referees, but Good teams um, find a way to find a way, right? You have to overcome this. It, it, of course, it looked bad, man. It felt terrible as fans. But as far as being a guy on the field, you have to find a way, um, especially like on a play like the targeting, um, the targeting play, the way that football is played now, you can't even get close to those type of plays. If you got to put your hands up, if you just got to be a wall, you can't jack guys up, right? They don't even do that kind of stuff on ESPN anymore. There was a show that was called Jack or a segment called Jacked Up, and they used to celebrate that. They used to talk about all this stuff, but now with all the concussion stuff and everything, it's people looking from everywhere, and you talk about sponsorship dollars, et cetera, et cetera. So the referees have a job to do, um, just on that part from player safety, but like the the interceptions and the hands and the PI and all that kind of stuff, that that's tough play. That's very tough play. You have to find a way to try to get creative, try to get sneaky, but plays like that are tough, man. And uh, a lot of those plays, it can be lopsided and we felt like they missed a lot of wazoo calls, but we still had some opportunities and, um, did you know, if the Cougs would have made some of those plays and they would have got off the field, they would have got rid of some of those sacks, they would have stopped some of those long runs from die, then it's a different type of game. And you catch some of those balls that we dropped, 
it's still a pretty close game. And you said it earlier, Jamie, it didn't feel um, like that type of game as far as what the score dictated. So um, it's hard to blame it on the refs. I want to do it too, man. I want to go out, man, throw some tomatoes at the refs and do it like that. But just understanding the other side of it, man, and being in games myself to where, okay, the refs ain't really doing anything, but how do we find a way to win? Right. When you, if Again, if it's a three-point loss, I think it's a bigger discussion. Wazoo right. lost by 16. It's Officials true. are not changing a 16-point game to a from a loss to a win. It's just not happening. Maybe there, if there's a call or two that goes the other way, maybe it's a few points closer. You know, the one in particular on when Marsh gets called for P.I., that right there is a field goal. So you can make that. But there was not a – the rest were not worth 16 points in this game. Right. Um, and the grape I have with the targeting, though, and I get the player safety, and that's going to get called. My question is, and this is a true question, if that's flipped, are they tossing a USC starting offensive lineman <clears throat> out of a game when they play Utah next week? Is he missing the first half of the Utah game when they're their only chance still for a playoff bid? I want to say yes. I want to believe that they would call it the same way. Right. I have a tough time believing that if Andrew Voorhees, their standout guard, hits Brennan Jackson there, that Andrew Voorhees is ejected. I, I just it, It's hard for me to kind of buy into that when I, – I don't know, man, maybe – Maybe it's a I'm lot of eyes on the referees, too. A lot of eyes on the referees. And this player safety thing is, is huge. So just the fact that it looks bad and a guy goes down and he kind of grabs his head, right? The refs are almost in a spot, right? Because the commentators are going to talk about it. They're going to play the highlight and all this kind of stuff, man. And, you know, it's money being exchanged. There's sponsorship and there's deals. We could talk about the NCAA and all the money they make and all this kind of stuff. So they have to do certain things. I'm not saying that the that the refs are getting the green handshake, right? I'm just saying that they have um, probably put an over-emphasis on that part of the game. I, I think it you're doesn't help the, right. Well, it helps the players because they want to perfect um, protect the players, but it, they're going to err on the side of caution on that play every single time. I believe so. More uh, bigger frustration with refs. Coog game, Seahawk game. Because it was bad for the Seahawks, too. Yeah. Um, are you talking about um, – Yesterday. Our son, so, we're recording Monday, so Sunday against the Saints. Well, yeah. So, the, the I think it was the same type of situation. The Seahawks did not play well enough um, to make this a referee thing, right? The Hawks had several opportunities to get stops, to do certain things, man. And they let um, – Taysom Hill kind of just do his thing, man, and run around and pretty much be all world, right? And you know what's coming. They lined up in the heavy set, man. They bring in extra tight ends, whatever they want to do. They put him back there in the Wildcat, and he just runs crazy, and he throws a touchdown pass. I know he usually doesn't do that, but makes it tough, man. And the offense, they play pretty good, man, but it's just hard to win when you can't get stops on defense and your defense is out there all day, all night. It makes you really tough. And they know it, man. Pretty much all the guys on defense from all the press conferences I heard, they're talking about, man, we just got to find a way to make it happen. There's nothing that's crazy. It's not like they're blowing coverages, but they just need to find a way to make it happen. And I know they're tired of talking about it, but they got to get over that hump and they got to find a way to get it done. We won't turn this into a Seahawk podcast, but I do have to ask real quick. My brother thinks that Tariq Woolen 
is the greatest cornerback that has ever lived in, in the history of the world. I mean, he's very good. And But what have you seen from him? Just real quick. Tariq, um, a.k.a. T. Woo is what we call him on this side. He <laughs> is doing his thing, man. And I'm going to sign up for that. I'm not going to sign him up too early that he's the greatest player in the world, but he's making a, a damn good run and he's making plays that veteran guys that are comfortable and the game has slowed down. He's making those type of plays. So a big shout out to T. Woo. I was like, my brother hasn't quite quite gotten to that point yet, but he really likes him. So I had, I had to ask, right. maybe we'll end up being the third best corner in Seahawks history behind Marcus Trufant and Richard Sherman. <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, maybe. Yeah, I like him, though. He's playing some really good ball, man. I haven't had a chance to watch a lot just with travel and, uh, and other games, but what I've seen, I've, I've been very impressed with as well, and he's a bright spot on a not-so-bright defense, but – Moving on uh, to – or actually the last thing I want to touch on just in, in regards to this past weekend, uh, Jake Dickert did give us some unfortunate news earlier. Renard Bell and Nakia Watson will both be out a while. Um, did not specify a time frame, but those will be some, some pretty big losses uh, at inside receiver and running back, although Jalen Jenkins coming off 130 yards against USC. He will likely be the feature back. But Armani Marsh seems to be good to go. He also exited with an injury. Moving on to Oregon State. Uh, Washington State is in Corvallis this week, 6 o'clock start on the Pac-12 Network to take on the Beavs. Oregon State is also 4-2. and two. Uh, This has been a Washington State-dominated series lately. Eight straight over Oregon State, but the Beavs are a very different team at home, very good team at home. You know, they, they're just they're a little different than they maybe were a couple years ago. They can really run the ball. Yeah, man, and the thing about um... – the Cougs going down there, man, to play to play against a motivated team and that, uh, a team that's really good on defense at home, that can get the crowd involved. That gets the energy involved. And you talk about momentum. I know a lot of um, a lot of guys that talk sports, they don't so much like to talk about momentum because that just means you're doing things right. So, But as far as um, from the Cougs' way of thinking, they're coming in the enemy territory, and I – and the defense is playing well. They're running around crazy. They're making stuff happen. They're getting sacks. They're getting turnovers. If that's the case, it's going to be tough for the Cougs in general because the way their offense is set up and the way the offense has been playing, yeah, they're putting up a lot of yards. They had some good runs today. But the two steps forward, two steps back thing is going to be very tough to come in and dominate teams. you got to put teams away, and you really got to make things happen. So I want to see the Cougs uh, – Step up on offense. I know that sounds odd, but I want to see them finish teams. I want to see them put their foot on people's necks and really make it happen. I mean, it would be nice for a solid 50-point win, but <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, the one I'll thing take it. I'll about, take it. I'll take about it. Oregon State that obviously is not true about USC is I don't want to call them one-dimensional, but they're pretty one-dimensional. They can't really throw the ball. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's nine, pick, or nine touchdowns at 10 picks this year. They've got quarterback injuries. I mean, this is a team where if you take away the run, you've got a really good chance of winning. Um, and then defensively, it's almost the opposite. They are great against the pass, really good secondary, um, and a solid run defense. And it kind of feels like another one of those games where obviously you'd love to see the offense get going, but it feels like one of those 24 to 20 games or 21 17. It just feels like another chance that you're going to get two teams that just aren't maybe going to score a ton of points. Right. I would like to see the defense uh, 
to kind of get some get back as well, man. Get some turnovers, man, get some sacks, and let the big guys up front, um, the big guys up front go to work. Because to be honest, I felt like they got pushed around a little bit against SC, man. Um, just looking back at some of those plays, the guys in the middle, um, the guys like Henley, it's hard for them to make the plays when the you got the guys up front and they're kind of two-gapping, right? Um, I know they want to hold guys up and you can let the linebackers run, but it seemed like the lineman was able to get up to the second level and kind of create those natural creases, right? And that's why Die was able to get up the field, man, and look so smooth and not get touched, um, not get touched until he's in the secondary. And that's a bad day for defensive backs. We hate when running backs are running full speed and can come to us. So that's when you get shoulder surgery after the season and you get banged up and you get concussions and you're getting ran over. So I would like to see the big boys up front that come into Oregon state men and have a good day. You know, one thing I think it's with defensive tackles, you know, they're not the stat stuffers by any means. I mean, a lot of what they do is just clogging lanes, right? When you have four total tackles from your defensive tackles, that does not indicate a great day. And that's how many they had against USC. Um, I think that's, and again, it's not all about that. But I think when you put two and two together, maybe not the best day for uh, the defensive tackles. You know, I think the other factor in this game is it, it's going to be kind of a weird one. Research Stadium isn't full capacity right now because of remodeling. So it, it's just going to be kind of an odd environment. <laughs> yeah, man. To be honest, I think that um, – I don't know who that favors, though. I think that may – favor the home team still, but I think the Cougs need to focus on themselves and to worry about themselves. I know the atmosphere is going to be the atmosphere. It's going to be weird. It's going to be uncomfortable. And they're doing their renovations, I guess, or whatever. But they need to focus on being consistent. And I keep going back to the offense. The offense is great. Cam Ward has been doing some unbelievable stuff and making all these crazy plays to um, to extend plays and do a bunch of different stuff, but you can't come back on the next play and have a loss of seven, right? You got to keep pushing that thing down the field. And once again, finish drives, finish teams and put points on the board. It just can't be a game full of highlights and then you still lose. What's the biggest key to this game in your opinion? Um, I think it's the defense making sure that they keep Oregon State one-dimensional like you said if they can come in and clog the run up man and have a field day and they can run around and they can make them pass and we can get interceptions and we could score for the offense I think that's where the Cougs have the um definitely have the advantage does Washington State have to change anything offensively that Grant Stevens is out the first half and that you're without Watson and Bell or do you trust what you're doing um, for what Dickert said, they're going to plug in Falili Fa'amo. Haven't decided yet. Doesn't sound like if he's going to play guard or tackle. Or do you right. just have to stick with what you know and not start to make these drastic changes? I think we stick with what we know. Um, I know we saw from um, saw from saw from Jenkins that he can run and he can do his thing. So I don't think we change the calls and stuff like that it's a different style of running of course because he's a lot smaller but I think you go for what you know man and you keep the same thing going but you execute better right I know you got guys that usually don't get as much playing time but it's the next man up and you got to show up and you got to make plays and you got to make it happen and 
I think they um, should be able to take a step forward. I think they should be motivated in this game on offense to take it to the next level. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'll just speak for, you know, maybe the biggest factor I think overall is I think it's going to come down to the chum of the line. Um, I think it's going to come down to, you know, the, the big boys in, in kind of in the middle um, just battling and just, you know, who wins the trenches. That's what Dickard said. The trenches determine this game. So right. uh, what's your score prediction? Um, you said you like the a low-scoring game, man. I'm looking for the cool offense to show up, man. Um, I think they're – they should be a little pissed off from the SC game, and you could call it referees. You could call it whatever you want to um, call it. But – and I think guys that are going to be able to get opportunities that normally don't play are going to be really motivated. So I'm looking for maybe – um, keep Oregon State down low. Maybe like a 30 to – 30 to nine, man. I want to see the defense go up. I want to see them step up, but I want to see the cool offense be efficient and not get too crazy, um, too pass happy or whatever, but stay consistent, stay with what they do, and the defense just put up a wall and make it happen. 30 to nine. You better hope Beavers don't find this. They're going to let you know if that's not what happens. Hey, better they can tell them I said it. (laughs) Uh, I got 24-20, Wazoo. Uh, you know, it actually make, reminds me of a story last year. Um, I, me and uh, I do an article every week with Will Dirting for Cougfan.com. And, oh, uh, dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Will picked the Cougs, I think, like 20 to 17. And I picked 17 14 Oregon State. And Oregon State fans were livid. How can these guys think we're not going to score? And they scored 24 points. Oh, and wow. I'm like, I All picked right. you guys to win. What, 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 are, what are we doing here? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I remember there was one comment that one of their fans made. It's like, uh, it was some, some joke about Wazoo academics. Oh, can they even count to that many points? And I remember someone took that and quoted it. It might've even been me and tweeted, right. well, we can count to eight. And that's how many straight years Washington state's beaten Oregon state. So uh, yeah, I like, that. I, got, I got love for the Beavers. I got nothing against Oregon state. I feel like they're kind of a, you know, Washington state has kind of a, a kindred spirit with them as kind of the, you know, the, the state schools and the under the undervalued schools. But I, I, I just thought agree. that was funny last year. I would agree. Uh, moving to our next segment. And, you know, we don't want to harp on the officiating too much, but I do have to ask. You were involved in maybe the most controversially officiated game in NFL history. Um, maybe, maybe that's a little much, but um, I hate to bring up Super Bowl 40, but I'll bring up Super Bowl 40. Um, the officiating, for those unaware, uh, the Steelers and Seahawks played in that Super Bowl in 2006. Uh, Pittsburgh won 24 to 10. Uh, in a game in which the officiating was horrendous and it very much favored Pittsburgh. Uh, there was uh, Ben Roethlisberger got ruled or got, it was given a touchdown when he was down and then moved the ball. There was a just ridiculous holding on Sean Locklear, uh, which my dad swears by to this day. He says, I always bring up the cause that, and don't forget the holding on Locklear was the worst <laughs> one. Uh, and then I think it was Matt Hassel that got called for a chop block while making yep. a tackle. And that was before they were even making those calls it was an interception or something like that i can't even remember what happened and the official came out and apologized so it wasn't like we're just blowing what do you remember from that and just how frustrating was that as a player when you look back and you feel like you got in a way robbed it was crazy frustrating man it was very frustrating um just the calls man um, just as soon as we would make a play or as soon as we would get a 
breaths of fresh air. You know, we're drowning. We're just fighting, man. We're trying to hang on. And um, the calls just kept coming, man. And I think we had a offensive pass interference. I think it might have been Daryl Jackson scored a touchdown. They took that away. I believe it was the same thing with Jeremy Stevens, maybe on a touchdown. So just at every turn, it was something there. But to be honest, man, it was similar to the cool game because we did not execute very well in that game. We didn't play very well in that game. Lots of mistakes, man. And guys were hurt. People were going down and the next man had to step up. You get, um, if you get a bunch of blown coverages, man, I never throw my safety under the bus, but I'm going to do it because I'm old and retired. Um, he, it came down on a play action. He bit on the fake, um, uh, a double pass. They a pass it to Randall L and then he throws it to, um, to Heinz Ward and I'm in the video. I'm chasing in slow motion and they played that for all the all season. They're still playing it now. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I saw it a couple weeks it's, ago. It's just one of those things, man, in a game like that, you have to make sure you execute and you have to not give the refs the opportunity to make those close calls. You got to, you have to dominate in, um, you have to dominate in those situations like being in the end zone. You got to be wide open. You got to be hands off. If you're going to make tackles, if you're going to do stuff, you got to do it. Do it in a way to where there's no, there's no guesswork in there. You got to find a way to make it happen. And we didn't do that in that game. Um, yes, the rest came back, I believe, that offseason and um, was like, yeah, you guys, we're sorry. We <laughs> blew some of those calls. We're not going to change the outcome of the game and nothing changes, but we just want to put salt in the wound and we want to come to your meeting in the morning and let you know that we apologize. I get the gesture, but too little, too late. You guys are, if I, remember, I mean, I was nine years old, eight years old, but uh, no, nine years old. And down, I mean, if I remember correctly, down Kenny Hamlin, he'd gotten into that, that, that uh, altercation at the bar. Right. Um, a little short. Again, I'm, you know, my, my dad and I have always said about that game is the calls were terrible, but you know, you mentioned the Randall L. The Ward play and the, the big Willie Parker run. So, hey, so I'm just saying Ben Roethlisberger went nine of 21 with two picks. Secondary did their job. <laughs> um, I'll take that. I'll, yep, I will take that. And that was Ben. Yeah, to be honest, it was an overall pretty nasty game. So the, the Steelers didn't play well. The rest, of course, didn't play well. And then we didn't play well. So it was a nasty Super Bowl. It was ugly. The weather was nasty in Detroit. Of course, we played in the stadium, but it was snowing outside. It was ugly. You wanted to go hang out and do stuff for the Super Bowl. It really wasn't even cracking like that in the city. Just a nasty um, time. Still a great experience because we went to the Super Bowl, but it was not like that. I think I said 24-10 when we started this. 21-10, my mistake, but... No, I just remember. Yeah, I, I was I was young. I I remember the the more recent Super Bowls far better, but I I remember being in disbelief at, at some of the calls. Um, moving on to the next segment as we kind of move towards a, a wrap up of all this, we'll talk segment five. Uh, the Pac-12, Oregon can't be beaten anymore. I mean, this offense is as good as they've had since the Mariota Chip Kelly days. They roll over Arizona, who can't stop anybody. I mean, there's there's that <laughs> mixture in there. Um, but I think the big one of the week, UCLA, <clears throat> were they for real? Maybe not. They barely beat South Alabama. They struggle with Bowling Green. 
Well, then they turn around, they beat Washington, and they beat Utah pretty soundly. Right. So, yeah, man, um, the thing about the pack, and especially when teams get hot, man, um, you talk about Oregon, and you talk about UCLA, and um, I guess I've been throw the Beavers in there for playing teams close, I guess. Do you get those type of rewards? But you can never really know, and it sounds cliche, um, of course, on any given Saturday, but teams get hot, teams get a little bit of momentum, and they they get this confidence, right? And the coaches get confidence in their play calling and stuff like that. Or guys can just play free, man, and they can play stress-free. So that's where you get these UCLA teams and you get these Oregon teams that they come and show up to play ball, man, and it's like they're just separating themselves from the rest of the pack. And um, it's not really one thing that you could put your finger on, but all three phases are starting to come together and play good, and that's offense, defense, special teams. And then Washington loses again. I mean, we're talking about a program that has been pumping out defensive talent for a decade. And they can't stop anybody. I mean, we're t- UW, Arizona, that might be first to 60 this week in, in Seattle. I mean, 45 points to Arizona State with a backup quarterback? Yeah. I mean, it is – believe me, I am certainly not a, sad to see it. I, it is quite enjoyable uh, that it's happening, but – it is it is without question stunning to watch them give up 85 points in two weeks. This was a team who went years without giving up more than 35. They hadn't given up more. 35 was the most they'd given up, I think, over the course of four or five years up until last year's Apple Cup. And even then, well, seven of those were defensive, so it was really only 33 points from the defense and then 40 in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, man, I would say that they're – potentially feeling some of that Seahawk mojo, right? I would the say. Hawks have been, the Hawks have been playing against teams that have pretty much been one-handed. If you talk about Detroit, um, they were missing a bunch of guys, right? Um, you talk about the Saints. The certain um, quarterback wasn't there. They didn't really have any receivers on the field, right? But they find a way to beat the Seahawks, or the Seahawks find a way to beat themselves by not – making things happen on defense. And that's what the Huskies are doing. The Huskies offense, um, it usually looks pretty good, but the defense, just like you said, is like a wet paper towel, man. People just running through it. And you can't win ball games like that. Playing shootout games and just letting a bunch of points go up, um, it doesn't take much to lose those type of games. So, um, but you know, I like to see it too. I like to see the guys in purple get beat up a little bit, but it's just not a good look right now. And we'll just kind of wrap it up with a couple quick uh, NFL coup notes. Jalen Watson's playing right now. Um, again, we're, we're doing this on Monday, and the Chiefs are up 24-23 on the Raiders. He nice. got uh, got dinged with a P.I. call, but, I mean, it's Devontae Adams. It's yeah. one of the best receivers on in the world. And I didn't think it was P.I. I think Adams uh, initiated the contact. Abe Lucas was really solid for the Seahawks, uh, did yield his first career sack yesterday. Again, it's Cameron Jordan. We're talking about a, an all-time great, a Hall of Famer. Uh, Frankie right. Lou was out with injury, so he did not play. Quick shout-out to Wazoo Volleyball. Swept Oregon in Oregon State. That was a ranked Oregon team, mind you. Um, and how about those Mariners, man? ALDS. Oh, I was in rolling. the box as they were completing that comeback in game two. 
like trying to be professional and composed, but like losing my mind. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And you have to, man. It's a lot of energy, especially to come back like that, man. That's crazy. No doubt about it. I'm going to try and uh, try and make make it to one of the games next weekend if there is two, but it'll be it'll be tough. But thank you for listening to True to the Cougs with Jamie Vinnick and Marcus Trufant brought to you by the Believe Network. Make sure to follow True to the Cougs on Instagram, Twitter and apparently TikTok. That's a new one for me. Um, I'll let Holden, our, uh, our, our manager, handle that. Manager, is that, that fair to call Holden? I would, um, I think it's fair to call him the manager. So uh, you're not doing any TikTok dances or nothing, oh, Jamie? Come on. TikTok. I, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I know what it is. It's not on my phone. That is not, yeah. I'm old. I am an old soul. I might only be 25, but I am old. No, I am not. I barely do Instagram. It's all Twitter for me. A little bit of Insta, but I got TikTok, you. no, that, that's, uh, that's not me. For um, our first post, I think we need to do a dance, especially if you come to the West Side for a Mariners game. But let's get it set up. We'll <laughs> talk about that after the show, actually. We'll talk about that. Um, and then make sure to uh, tune into CougFan.com to see all the latest updates on Washington State Athletics. And as always, we will close it with a Go Cougs. Go Cougs, baby. Go Cougs. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.